0: Hello, Steven here. The podcast with benefits is back. We will record most episodes of the show live with active audience participation. This means that the direction of each episode is a bit more spontaneous, as audience members can chime in with topics and questions at all times. This is a fairly new format for us, and we're still working out some of the kinks. With that being said, you can still expect the same shenanigans from your favorite self described and uncertified love, sex, and relationship gurus. Enjoy the show. Hello. Hey. Woo.
1: I'm just dancing to the music that's in my head good, with good. that video. Ooh. It's good.
0: We actually, we we have music that we can add to the stream. That's like a thing.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm aware. I've am used StreamYard before. StreamYard's oh, okay. rad. It's, it's so cool.
0: It's, it's fun. It's kind of easy. I like it. Mm-hmm. Can we um, add our theme song? Um, not yet, because actually, I don't think they allow you to upload music yet. It's oh, like a new feature that's like in the testing phase, okay. but probably in the near future. It's in the testing yeah. phase? Yeah. The testy phase. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, we're
1: doing that already. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, <absolutely. laughs> cool, love it. <laughs> Immediately, okay. yeah.
2: making sure. Twelve years old. Yeah. yeah, I
1: didn't know if there was like um, you know, well, yeah, it's cool.
2: We're, yeah, no, not noted. Anymore. No, how are you doing, Stephen?
0: Um, living the dream, I guess. Uh, it might be a nightmare. I don't know yet. We'll no. see. Oh, we'll see okay. if I die in the end. Foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> A new and, murder mystery podcast.
2: Callie, true well, crime's, you're
1: welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, true Wait. crime is like a hot thing right now. Yeah. You might be able to make a thing of that. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Callie. <laughs> thank you so Hello. much for being on the show. I'm very excited to be here. I uh, was over at your house on Friday and I said, hey, Chris, let me come on your podcast and yell about gender. And he mm-hmm. was like, hell yeah, let's do that. That's absolutely
0: so, I'm, I'm glad that you... Said that because I asked Chris if there were any specific topics, and Chris was just like, Oh, they just want to yell about gender. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so, like, that specific phrasing, I'm glad that that was.
2: Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm a it's, it's, clear player in the game of telephone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it. It's gonna, the next person is going to hear it. So.
1: Talented communicator. I love it.
2: I'm
0: going to try. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so, hello. And welcome to Hi. The show.
2: Thank uh, you. Thank
0: for you. For any, any viewers or listeners, um, you were present in the chat during our last I was. I was.
1: You? I was. Because uh, Frankie is a dear friend, roller derby teammate, someone that I love very, very much. And uh, they said they were a little nervous. And I was like, I'm going I'm to be watching live. I'm going to be cheering you Well,
0: thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Just I
1: also out. enjoyed the show the conversation that you had in those and and actually I have I've listened before because uh when uh Dethi mentioned that you all had a, a podcast I was like oh like I'm interested in that because I'm just always you know I mean podcasting is literally my life like it's how I pay my bills and it's the just fucking overriding obsession of my life aside from Star Trek and my dog and my wife um but uh so, yeah, whenever I'm like, "Ooh, this is a like a friend that I didn't know how to podcast, I find out they have one and i'm I'm very interested and and I swear to God, I forget I don't even remember what the episode was, but I just I remember uh. I was I was coming home from the grocery store or something like that. And I was just like listening to, you know, I'd only gotten 10 or 15 minutes into the episode because uh, that you know the grocery store is very close to my house. And I opened the door like right as somebody said the word big fat cock or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. All right. Let's see if are my neighbors outside. That's all right. Cool. <laughs> I,
0: I that could have been any. episode really Right, have, right. We're <laughs> not narrowing it down. Right. Even yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I, I, I like thinking about how many times that's happened with our show. Like <laughs> how many, how many awkward moments have we created? Sure. Thanks to well, our conversation. Our listeners. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting, you know, being a content creator there, there's a certain degree to which you can, you can be fairly sure those things happened and there is a 100% chance you'll not hear about all of them. And it's just very weird. It's a weird thing.
2: It's the butterfly effect, you know, it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah, butterfly flaps its wings in Peking, dick jokes are made in the internet on a podcast, and
2: here we are. It and rains are.
1: in Central Park, is that, is that how
2: that goes? I think so. I think <laughs> okay. that's the exact chain of events, yeah.
0: <laughs> there, there is no in-between, actually, it's just that leads directly to each thing
2: cool
1: yeah no it's fun i uh no i i appreciate it because my my podcast i love my podcast very much um but it's a more um i mean it's a storytelling show it's very like intimate and kind of touchy feely and um and that's cool like obviously i you know that's i wouldn't make it that way if i didn't think it was cool but uh sometimes it's fun to let loose be a little raunchy um and uh it's not something i have the chance to do on podcasts very often and so i um,
2: stoked and we I, mean, we I think we have our a uh, little smattering a little sprinkling of, of you know those heartfelt moments but usually it's
0: dick and fart jokes
1: yeah, yeah which honestly i think you need both in life i really yeah. do yeah.
0: we like to keep the the yin and the yang everything the in moderation
1: yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: so uh, you mentioned your podcast and uh if you don't mind i would like to, to talk about your show if that's okay
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I make a podcast called Queer Queersplaining. It's a, uh, a a storytelling show about the lives of queer and trans folks, and it's not really any more niche or specific than that. Basically, the the conceit of the show is that like when you read stuff about queer or trans people in bigger media outlets uh usually the people doing the reporting or writing or whatever storytelling are not queer or trans themselves and oftentimes queer and trans people are not the intended audience for those pieces or those stories or whatever and that works its way down into basically the same story being told over and over and over again right like Mm -hmm when it's a story about queer people, it's usually something about like, I hated myself and then I came out and now I love myself and I'm living my best gay life. And with trans people, it's either that or some version of like my spouse learned to get over what a burden I was, or my parents learned to stop hating me mm. and it becomes like everyone, but the trans person is centered in those trans yeah. stories yeah. um or again it's just like a coming out story and nothing else and it's not that those stories aren't important right it's just that those are the only ones we hear about uh i mean i think in the last couple of years that has gotten better um but largely it's still not i, I like i don't think it's it doesn't feel normal to me to hear a story about a trans person that's not centered on their transness for example um, mm-hmm. Like here and there, uh, but it's not something that I can just expect to happen and so the idea was like I want to tell queer and trans stories as a member of the community who has at least some understanding of the 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 culture that surrounds that, the life experience that surrounds that uh, I mean I'm white, I'm physically abled, uh so that's like there are certain things that you know disabled folks, people who aren't white um types of neurodivergence stuff like that those life experiences that i don't necessarily share obviously i can't claim to understand those as well but if i'm i i'm able to do that sort of storytelling and interviewing in a way that's not extractive uh and in a way that is that is affirming and loving and lifting up this person's story uh for the for the value that it holds for its own sake or for members of the community um i kind of try to think of it like a like a, a queer trans support group Uh, the idea being like, I want to sort of create the environment where you can just like bring all of yourself to the table and talk about the things that you've been through and like what you've learned and why it matters and all of that sort of stuff. Um, With the idea being that I I really want other queer and trans folks to hear this story and feel seen and feel heard. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so that that's the show. I put a ton of work into learning the, Dynamics of storytelling and I do scoring and, you know, adding music here and there. I pay a lot of attention to pacing. I edit super heavily and all of that fun stuff. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's what I do. That's queer planning. And I'm fortunate enough that I have enough support on Patreon that it pays about it. it it's, it works out to be about half of a full-time job. Um, nice. And I Damn. do, and I do freelancing for, uh, for the rest of that, which is yeah. Very, very fortunate.
0: Well, that's awesome. And uh I I listened to the show actually. I subscribed when it was mentioned on the last episode. Nice um, when you were in the audience and stuff. And I think it's great. I love it. It the production thank is you. great. Um when you were talking about doing like the music and like the timing of things, uh I think I think you're really good at it. So oh, awesome. thank you. Thank <laughs> you.
1: It's I I just audio storytelling for some reason is just something that fits really well with the brain, with the way my brain operates. And (laughs) so uh, you know, it's just something that I put a ton of time into learning how to do. And uh, it just, I've I've been doing it long enough now that if it wasn't my thing, I would have been tired of it by now. But like it, it just, it never stops being the coolest fucking thing in the world to me.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Um, So if anyone who is watching or listening uh, would like to Listen to Callie's podcast. It's Queer Splaining. And you can get it. I know it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Are there any other shout outs or whatever? It
1: should be everywhere you can find podcasts. You should be able to listen to my show. All right, cool. Maybe not SoundCloud, because I think you have to upload separately to SoundCloud. And I just, I don't, yeah, I just don't. (laughs) But most people, the the places most people listen to podcasts, you can find it.
0: All right. Mm So yeah, listen to Queer splaining in all the places. Do yeah. the thing, mash that like and subscribe. Mash. Smash it. it.
2: Destroy it.
0: Demolish. that Or, subscribe you're already subscribed. <laughs> and or subscribe. if you're on
1: Apple Podcasts, it's the follow button now. They changed that recently. That was a whole
2: thing.
0: Oh. Mash that follow button. Yeah. Just mash. <laughs> Just mash in general.
2: So like a like a few other guests, you have you You came to us and you said, I would love to be on the show. And normally, I ask why, or sometimes we have to kind of pick at or or pull out the strings a little bit, but you specifically said, Chris, I would love to come on your podcast and yell about gender. So please, yell away. I fucking hate it, (laughs) y'all.
0: Like... here, My god. I are, are we are it. we about to hear a rant? <laughs> do you want like a I don't spotlight for the rant? Hold on.
1: Ooh, oh, Ooh, yeah, you can do that. Meetings. You can do that in StreamYard. Yeah, wow. Away. Uh, I'm, I'm so nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um No, I just I look at so so much of the awful shit that is in our culture comes back to either white supremacy or gender (laughs) misogyny specifically, um, or some combination thereof, frankly. Um, and I think about my own life. And so like, I, I guess I'll, I'll begin my gender rant by kind of going over what my gender journey looked like. Um, I was 10 ish years old, uh, in the lunchroom in, uh, in my fifth grade class. And I had one friend that I was like super close with that we ate lunch with every day. And we would argue about whether star Wars or star Trek is better. Um, the answer is star Trek, but also that's a dumb argument and I'm not interested in having it anymore. Um, <clears throat> but uh, he was absent that he was like, you know, out sick or whatever. And so I was sitting at the table uh, by myself eating my peanut butter sandwich and carrots with, nacho cheese or whatever uh and this is like the time in most kids lives when puberty starts right and so your body starts changing and you start growing hair in funny places and you know all of the things that happen in puberty and i was feeling real weird about my body but i had had this like sex ed thing at the beginning of my fifth grade class that was like hey puberty is gonna start and you're gonna feel weird about your body and i was like boy i sure do um but like I noticed like the way the girls' bodies were changing versus the way my body was changing. And I was like, that's... Like, puberty feels weird to me in a way that I was not told to expect it to feel weird. And I didn't really know what any of that meant. And I definitely... I I hate... Well, we'll get there. I hate appealing to gender stereotypes as a way to affirm the gender that I am, uh, which is... Like, spoiler alert, that's the end of this journey is is that problem repeated over and over and over again. Um, but, like, I just, I had a very sort of, like, stereotypically feminine way of, like, looking at and interacting with the world and that I was, like, very in tune with my feelings. I was a super sensitive kid. Uh, I, like, was sad when I couldn't talk about other, I couldn't talk with other kids about being sad or feeling feelings because, like, boys don't do that, right? Um, and uh and so i'm sitting there at the lunch table and like all of these things are like boiling over in my head and i uh i just had this very like very strong sense to say like i was supposed to be a girl holy shit that's the thing that's that's what all of this is about but of course at that point like i had internalized enough shit about the way gender is quote unquote supposed to work that like i knew that that wasn't an okay thought to have and i was fairly certain that meant something was terribly wrong with me and that I could never share this with anyone because I would be mercilessly mocked and made fun of for uh, because I mean that was true like I, I wasn't just being silly and paranoid about that um, the, the one anecdote that I like to give is like I made the mistake of telling someone my favorite color was purple once and like boys aren't supposed to like purple and I that's purple just
2: anyway. right
1: that's just some I shit that you can't purple. do right purple. it's isn't it great yeah great 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 color. Color. um them, and them, yeah man. yeah um and then basically for like the rest of my childhood into my early 20s i would like go through different periods of time of like wrestling with that feeling being able to push it to the back of my head and it's on the back burner and it's not really a thing and then for a time it would just like take over my brain it's all i could think about i'm crying myself to sleep at night all of that um and then when i was 28 or so it really started to boil over into like Wow, I really don't want to feel these feelings or think these thoughts anymore. It might be cooler if I died. Um, and like thankfully, I had a, a healthy enough view of things to realize that like, like having that thought scared the shit out of me. And so I was like, okay, I like I have to figure I have to actually like confront this and work this out and so uh and so i I talked with a really close friend about it she was very supportive and wonderful and it was great and that was super helpful to me and then i just sort of like expanded the circle of friends that i told right like i told like all of like closest closest people and then the people that i was a little bit less close to and i was kind of like testing the waters to see how that would go for me and whether or not this would be a thing that would be okay um because one of the fears is that like nobody's ever going to accept you and you're just going to, you're going to lead this miserable life and that's going to be terrible. You're going to be like an object of pity at best. You're going to end up mentally broken and like all of this stuff, Um, stuff that sometimes legitimately happens, but like it happens not because you're trans, but because of the way people treat you (laughs) because you're trans. Right. Um, But like, I was very grateful to find that that wasn't my experience. It, it, all of my friends were very, very supportive. Uh, all of the ones that mattered anyways. There were a couple of people who were more acquaintances that were like not so great about it. But like that didn't really deter me because those weren't people that I was like really depending on for anything. Um, and, you know, and, and I had sort of the... I guess, I guess you could call it like the full spectrum of gender dysphoria, right? Like boy stuff didn't feel right to me socially. And also there were lots of things about my body that felt wrong in terms of like the parts of people's bodies that are, that are gendered typically in the way that like society generally views gender. Um, you know, I, I had a big thick ass beard that I like, I really didn't like, but it was one of those things that it was, I was trying to like assert my manliness by having it. Um, And, uh, and I just like, I don't know, I, I, my emotions always felt really blunted, you know, whenever I was happy about something, it's just like the way that I was happy, didn't feel quite correct. Uh, it was like, okay, like um, this is a cool thing and I'm happy about it, but there's like, there's something in there that I'm not accessing and I don't know what it is, but I know it's there. Um, and it was kind of like that for like every flavor of emotion, like good, bad, indifferent. Um, and, 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 you know, those things started to change as I, as I opened up to people. And especially when I started hormones, emotionally, I just, everything came into line for me when I started, uh, when I started, uh, hormones. So that was great. Uh, but like when I came out, it was initially like trans woman, Callie, she, her, uh, you know, super like stereotypically femme haircut, painted nails all the time. I learned how to do makeup. I wore dresses every day, all that sort of stuff. And at the time I was like, very sure that that's what I wanted. Um, but the, the thing that often happens when people come out as trans, especially if they initially come out as like binary trans, like as a trans guy or a trans girl, um, there's a lot of pressure to conform to all of the like, quote unquote, correct gender stereotypes. Right. And I think looking back, I, I think I was leaning into that a little bit, like just, trying to like signal to the world as much as possible. This thing that I was like, I can't put the blue razors in my cart I'll buy the pink ones, even though they're $3 more expensive because that's girl stuff and I'm a girl. And, um, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Whoever's responsible for that. I hope they get run over by a truck slowly.
1: Yeah. Uh, marketing departments largely (laughs) (laughs) is what it comes down to. Um, I, I don't remember all the details off the top of my head, but I actually did an episode of my podcast a long time ago about, uh, about the the origins of why uh, women are supposed to shave their body hair in like mainstream culture, uh, and it's it basically it all comes down to marketing. Like somebody just decided that was the thing that needed to happen. Um, but uh, after I had bottom surgery, things changed a lot for me. Um, because after I had bottom surgery, I was largely comfortable with my body. Uh, I mean, I had had laser to get my facial hair taken care of, uh, hormones grew boobs, which are fantastic. Uh, I'm a big fan, big fan of those on myself and other people. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was, it was really interesting the way, like getting those feelings about my body out of the way, let me sort of reinterrogate the way that I actually felt about myself and like who I am as a person. Um, Because, you know, just very suddenly I didn't feel the need to do any of that. Like I have to buy the pink razors and I have to shop for shoes in the women's section. Uh, And very specifically, the first time it happened is when I was shopping for shoes. And I was like, I like I went to the shoe store and I like looked through the women's section and I was just like, I don't really like anything over here. And so I just kind of like strolled over to the men's section and was like looking and then and it kind of hit me. I was like, wow, like six months ago, I would have been terrified to do this. And now I just kind of don't care and um you know a- another big moment was i i made i had this like really fun like dapper outfit for this uh like atheist prom thing that i went to at a convention in st louis a couple of years ago and i <laughs> i had like like black tights a white v-neck and a black sport jacket but i had forgotten my fancy shoes and so i had these like red workout shoes with this outfit and i was just like this is like the perfect lesbian dad aesthetic (laughs) and and then like i was like wait a minute i just like casually referred to myself with a like a stereotypically like masculine term and it like it felt kind of cool actually it didn't make me want to punch a wall (laughs) like it like those sorts of things used to right um And it was, you know, and it was interesting because like the idea of, for example, calling myself a husband, terrible, terrible. I fucking hate that. I like just saying that in a hypothetical right now, I'm like, I hate that. Um, But for some reason, calling myself a lesbian dad, like that was fun for me. Um, And I can unpack a lot of stuff about my family life, about why I have very specifically different feelings about those, about those feelings. But like. I just started asking myself, like, okay, why are all of these things happening all of a sudden? And, you know, I came up with, like, well, I feel fine about my body now. So I don't have any of that bullshit in the way to make me question stuff, right? And so I was like, okay, like, I know he, him does not feel good. I know man doesn't feel good. Boy doesn't feel good. Woman, girl, she, her. And I was just kind of going through that. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting. Like, it's not, I don't hate it. But it feels like uh like it feels like a t-shirt that just like is like one size too small, right like it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's just enough to be like, eh, I don't know I don't know how I feel about this and so i I asked my wife and a couple of close friends. I was like, let's try on the they them thing because I think that might be I think that might be for me and uh and this was. Uh, Frankie on your last episode mentioned the conversation that they had had with me at the bar uh, one night after uh, after a roller derby league meeting, and uh, they were the first person that I had uh, outside of my wife that I had that conversation with, where I was just thinking like I think this is like really actually a thing for me, and and it and it like it turns out it just that's just what made sense for me, and so like they them I'm non-binary and that's just entirely what feels correct to me. Um, And I think what I ultimately started asking myself is like what, when I say I feel like a woman, what does that mean? And I could not think of anything at all that didn't reference gender stereotypes in some way um, about the way a woman is supposed to act, the interests and stuff that women are supposed to have. um, And, I mean most people will pay lip service to the idea that like you know if you're a man you can play with dolls that doesn't make you not a man you know if you're a woman you can like work on cars and work on computers that doesn't make you less of a woman because those are things stereotypically associated with men right um and then I just kind of started to look at that and I was like yeah that is kind of a thing isn't it so like if i can't reference any reason that i feel a certain way without referencing back to stereotypes that I don't think are real anyways. Like, where does that leave me? And I was like, I guess that leaves me at like, I'm just going to opt out of gender. (laughs) I just don't want to deal with it anymore. (laughs) Um, and I mean, of course, like I have to deal with it, right? Because we live in a very gendered world and I still have to like, as much as I want to just not fuck with gender, the world does. And so I still have to figure out where I fit in that world because that, uh, Cause that determines a lot of like where I sit in the world and the people that I meet and the places that I go and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah. And in my ideal world, I would just opt out of gender entirely and just have it not be a thing. Um, Because ultimately it just, I I figured out that it just doesn't mean anything for me. It doesn't mean anything real for me. And, uh, and and, like, I just, I want to say that like, I respect that it does for other people. I don't like people who identify very strongly as like trans men or trans women, zero disrespect to those folks. Like I, that's, uh, it is, it is very much a thing for some people. I fully respect that, but it is not for me.
0: So, uh, do you mind if I ask some personal questions?
1: Please. Yes. Um, Go. I, I, I mentioned before recording, I've made several episodes of my podcast about my vagina. So I I doubt you're going to ask me anything (laughs) more, more, uh, uh, I wouldn't say inappropriate because it's not inappropriate to talk about genitalia but yeah Uh, i have i have no barriers please ask away
0: (laughs) so uh well with that being said if at any point you're uncomfortable let me know we can immediately
2: Mm, yeah you know change
0: the course of the conversation um but i uh it really resonated me when you were talking about uh the experience of sort of making decisions as a trans person that almost reaffirm gender stereotypes because of those and how ingrained that is in the identity of like what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man. Um, And then uh, like later on you mentioned um, things like, oh, it doesn't matter if they're a boy, they can still play with dolls. And while I don't disagree with that statement, it's almost like that's such a redundant statement because um, like it it shouldn't even need to be spoken. Um, And so with the understanding and, and the pretext that these gender ideas um, are always playing uh, a, a role in us. Um, and again, this might be uncomfortable. Bring it. Let me know. Hit me um, with it. What role did gender stereotypes play in your desire for a vagina? You, you mentioned you had bottom surgery.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, and I'm not sure that they did, to be honest. Okay. Um, I, I think I think that I tied those things together in my head because that's what I had been taught. Um, but I, I think, you know, I and I certainly don't understand everything about the way that my brain works. Um, but I think, you know, I, I guess it, it's possible that those things existed independently, but I tied them together because of uh because of what I was taught
2: about gender. Um, I had wanted to. To touch on, you had mentioned like you know when you were ten years old,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: having those that doing that kind of mental math, if you will, of Mm -hmm. about you know like these things. It's like two columns, like a legend, like these things. I'm sure I'm I'm a boy. These things, I'm sure I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I had that same conversation of, "Am I gay? Like, yeah, I do this, but does that make me gay? But I do this, that makes me straight." And you're trying to make some sort of odd tally for the world. That's really (laughs) bullshit yeah exactly it's all, it's just, these are things i enjoy fuck off
1: yeah low column a little column b <laughs> right right yeah uh,
2: um, i'm sure that's a universal thing but i'm sorry go, go ahead
1: no you're good and, and i think part of what makes queerness an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people uh queerness of all different kinds is that we kind of have to accept that uh we can say the same things and have the same experiences and be led to different conclusions for different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I will give a really great example of this. Um, not too long after I came out as non-binary, I went to Chicago and I did this uh, live storytelling show called body storytelling. If you've not heard it, it's fucking great. It's like the moth, but for sex stories, fantastic. Um, Sounds but I was so invited to my alley. Yeah, it was great, and the story that I told on stage was the story of my first orgasm after having bottom surgery, which is fantastic. Uh, but after that show, I went and stayed with a friend uh, that I hadn't seen in forever, uh, just you know, couch surfing for the night. And and she asked me like like so you know I I saw your post about you're non binary they them now and like is it cool if I ask how you got there and so. I I gave the the much longer version of the <laughs> the story that I that I just told. And she was like, okay, but that describes a lot of how I feel about my gender. So, like, did you just tell me I'm non-binary? And I was like, I can't tell you that you're non-binary, nope, no. right? Because, like, at the end of the day, I feel like you can still feel all of those same ways and be like, but for some reason, woman still feels good to me as a descriptor for myself. And I think. A lot of the reason why people see queerness and transness specifically as a threat is because it is just such a fuck you to the idea that there are very easy binary, uh, knowable, one hundred percent true all of the time answers to this stuff, um, and, and and I think that that points back to the fact that like we all we all need to. Kind of understand that in, in a lot of ways, we've never really been given the proper language or context to describe our experiences because the, the system and the culture that we live in was not built with us in mind, and so we're all just struggling trying to figure this shit out uh, as we go along. It's
2: fear, of, it's fear of the unknown. I mean, you know, without yeah. a vocabulary for it, you like you have to justify something, and and your brain has to rationalize it. It has to like, well, so. and, and
1: it's not even fear of the unknown so much. I think it's this fear of the unknowable.
2: Sure. Right. Yes. Right. So be because better, yeah, more apt description. Yeah.
1: Because I think if, if I don't know what two plus two is, I can still be safe in knowing that there is an answer. I just haven't found it yet. Sure. And I think what queerness and transness, the, the, the quote unquote threat that we represent is that a lot of this stuff is simply like not knowable or like nail (laughs) downable. You know what I mean? In that, like I can describe my experience of my gender and there will be people that use very, very different terms to describe what sounds like a similar experience. And I think people find that threatening because it's just like, I want to know the answers. I want to know the, the easy knowable truth. And I mean, the fact is like none of this stuff is like, it's, it's not, it's not math, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a um, chemistry. Kind. Yeah, exactly. And it, coming to comfort with that. Is something that a lot of people struggle with because it's so counter to everything that we are taught in mainstream uh, culture, especially if you grow up in the United States, definitely not exclusively in the United States but I, but I think especially here in a lot of ways
0: it is amplified here I think uh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, and in other places in different ways, but we definitely have our own sort of unique brand of that
0: <laughs> so um, yeah not not to rewind too much, but um, I do appreciate that. Uh, you made it a point to say that that you don't think that like gender really played that much of a role in your enjoyment of your vagina, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of a better phrase. Well,
1: um, and, and here's the thing, right? It's actually a little more complicated than that, because it's always a little more complicated than that. Uh, because I will say that I enjoy sex a lot more after embracing myself as being non-binary. And... I don't I don't entirely understand why that's the case. I think it's probably just more the fact that I'm I feel like I know myself so much better I'm much more comfortable in myself and that generally yeah. speaking is just gonna lead to sex being better.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is just my perspective. I mean the same reason you couldn't access those emotions uh, is because you just you, you couldn't allow yourself to or didn't know know how to. but the more you can know yourself and be comfortable with yourself and trust yourself, Mm -hmm. the more you can let yourself go and really enjoy things
1: (laughs) well and and i think a, a thing that we don't talk about enough in the trans community and i think it's just because it's not something that uh it's not an experience you often hear amplified in trans circles and it's not even super my experience of 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 transness especially not the experience that made me realize it but i've heard more and more people saying that like their gender dysphoria had a lot more to do with the way other people perceived them than anything inherent to themselves right um and i think you know we don't
0: don't see anyone's genitals in like everyday life like the, generally the, speaking yeah <laughs> just genitals our own the time.
2: yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Walking genitals everywhere.
1: yeah yeah second wave feminism that's what it is man
0: <laughs> uh <laughs> that, that that brings up a good point though i feel like and you mentioned the 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 trans experience um but i think that's very much so like a gay experience and even like a heteronormative experience genitalia is so like center stage when it comes to so many different sexual or even identity experiences. And Mm -hmm. it's frustrating. And and that's why I appreciated you saying what you did because um, it it was validating to me because I'm somebody who never really, I, aside from literally, I've never been very attached to my penis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like in in terms of (laughs) phrasing
1: of that ever, I love that. (laughs)
0: in terms of like as like a specific T-shirt. identifier of yeah, who yeah. i am like like my my penis or the fact that i have one like what's between my legs has has nothing to do with who i am as a human mm-hmm. and uh being gay and coming out as gay and then like experiencing gay dating and grinder and like hookup culture and all that it's always the penis sometimes it's like the first thing you see is the penis and <laughs> it's like why why does why does the penis have to be the gay experience like I thought I thought uh-huh. I put that aside um, when I when I left you know heteronormative ideology and things like that like why is it still front and center and then um, like I, I consider myself to be a, a relatively progressive um, open-minded individual, uh, but it's almost disheartening for me to hear uh, all of these stories of trans people who like i i support them love them to death i want them to be able to experience themselves and their identities however they see fit but it was disheartening to me to hear um oh i'm trans so i need different genitals because it's the only way that i can actualize this identity and it's like why does that have to be the end-all be-all why why does it again come down to what's between my legs like well I, I i understand that other people have different experiences um and like that can be somebody somebody else's journey um but like for me, it was disheartening hearing that same message essentially coming from mm-hmm. all angles um because that was something that I was like kind of desperately trying to escape like <laughs> for sure uh, well, I'm I, the kind I the think' so. where it's like it, penis take it or leave it like i yeah I don't even care uh necessarily so
1: Well, I I think what's important to understand about that is I think that attitude has a lot more to do with the stories that get amplified in popular culture than it does with the way that like most trans people feel, Um, you know, and this is, you know, probably depends on your social circles. And I don't know if any actual research has been done on this or not, Um, but like. I have tons of trans girlfriends that love their dicks (laughs) and have zero desire to get rid of them. Um, and, uh, and I will also tell you, this is like another group chat conversation that happened recently. Girl dick versus boy dick, whole different, whole different thing, whole different thing. And as a person who is very, very sexual, that is, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, (sighs) I don't a hundred percent understand what the the connection is there congruently, right, because like I feel like I had an intuitive sense of those sorts of, of that that sort of thing before I even really knew that other trans people existed, right um I was just like, this thing feels weird on my body, I don't fucking like it um, and 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 like I said, I, I felt like I knew that before I knew that like uh, that anything else was possible, or that other things had existed in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and that's that's something that you'll very commonly hear. You know, trans people who do have very strong for dysphoria—that's a thing that you will hear that is very very common in in uh, trans experience among those kinds of people, right? That like like I knew that this wasn't the way that I was supposed to feel, or this was. I knew that I felt this way before I knew that, like, there were people before me that felt this way. You know what I mean? And so, like, to me, that suggests that there is something inherent about it somewhere, right? Um, And, you know, and, and I don't know how that fully interrelates with. Experience of gender, right? Because like there are trans men that are a hundred percent happy with their vaginas, trans women who are a hundred percent happy with their penises, mm-hmm. and some people who you know experience such crush- crushing dysphoria that like they would rather die than keep what they've got, right? Um, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't fully understand where those feelings come from, um, but but I think. You know the idea that transness is so inherently tied with genital dy- genital dysphoria. I think that has a lot more to do with which narratives get amplified in our popular culture than it does it actually being a, a a full reflection of the trans community.
0: See, I wonder how much of it also has to do with like these ideas of what it means to even be a man and a woman, because mm-hmm. like if we lived in a world in which these ideas didn't exist even the identifier of trans wouldn't need to exist because like it would just be i'm i am a human and i have this genitalia and then you would just express that identity however i mean like if you're removed from uh
1: yeah i mean it depends because because like i said i think there is some of that experience that is inherent to being human and the way that we are born Uh, But so much of it is also social and I don't like, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what exactly the split on that is Um, because I mean, there are, you know, if, if you look at like every culture that existed that's existed in, in and across time in humanity there have been people that we would recognize as trans in some way or another right like it doesn't always look like the way transness looks in our culture necessarily
2: it's not a translation um, but yeah i mean there but are some there.
1: sort of gender variance some sort of like people who who cross gender boundaries of one kind or another mm-hmm. uh like those folks have existed all throughout time and so i think our specific conception of transness would certainly be different in a different cultural context. But uh some version of transness would certainly still exist, I think.
0: Well, see, I just think that like transness almost seems like a a way to explain it while within the ideas of gender. Like, because if if we remove <sighs> gender, then what does what would we even be referencing with? I mean,
1: kinda, trans- but that also like You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I, th- I think, I mean, we could say the same thing about species, right? Like, the only reason that we are, the only reason that we don't call ourselves, like, silverback gorillas is because we look so much different. Our DNA is, like, 99.9% the same. So, in what ways are we, are we meaningfully different, right? Like, like, we, a thing that we do as people is put things into categories based on certain criteria. Right. Um, And obviously like we can, we can have plenty of examples of the ways that we have done that very, very poorly.
0: (laughs) I think we've laid out a lot of them actually. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) certainly we have. (laughs) Um, I think that gets down into the root of the issue too, though, is like this, uh, there's this like, almost this obsession with categorizing. And I almost feel like it's almost like um, trans or I'd, I'll say queer culture is almost like a response to the over-categorizing of things. Um, sure. Where, yeah, I like, can get can behind that. Have to, we have to come up with like the asterisk and then look at the bottom of the page to see the exceptions to the rule. And then we just kind of that whole entire citation it's just queerness uh yeah well i mean if if you look at
1: you know the way human history has has played out i mean that's kind of a thing that we tend to do right like whatever is the dominant culture they decide they're the default and everything else gets a name um and i don't think i don't think that's inherently a bad thing um i think it can be i think you know it 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 comes back to this like really complicated interaction between like you know a thing that we often hear is like you know well i, I wouldn't care that you were gay if you didn't make such a big deal out of it and it's like well i wouldn't make a, such a big deal out of it if you didn't care so much <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, like, like catch the like giving a name to the difference is not what created the difference you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and, and I think it's, it is important for people who are outside of the dominant cultural narrative to be able to, to name the ways in their, in which they're different, because that's what helps you build community and solidarity with other people who are different in the same ways that you are. Right. Um, and, 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 that's, you know, when I come back to like queer culture, I think is, is very much a response to gender stereotypes of, of all kinds. Right. Um, and, and and I think that's fundamentally why I think transness belongs under the queer umbrella and why like queer and trans people should be in solidarity with one another, because the reasons that we are uh, marginalized from society are gender based. And it's gender based oppression that sets us apart from mainstream society. And therefore, like we should be in solidarity with, with each other in those ways, because um because we're you know marginalized for ways uh, for things in ways that are um uh in a lot of ways like different in the way they present but fundamentally at the root i think they come from the same place
0: yep i think i i think i can agree yeah well put
1: hey thanks <laughs> uh I had a friend who Uh, uh, came on my podcast to talk about um, the way that queer culture treats masculinity in general. And uh, I'm probably going to do a bad job of of entirely summarizing what they said. But the idea is that, like, in in a large sense, dominant culture uh, tends to default as, like, this, like, conception of masculinity, right? And, and everything that is feminine is somehow less than. And largely mainstream queer culture has just, like, moved towards femininity as the default in response to that. And has, you know, kind of, in, in some ways, like, under the queer umbrella, marginalized masculinity. Like, if you are queer, but also stereotypically masculine, in in some ways uh and that's like that's way oversimplifying things but like as an overarching principle i f- i think that's probably true um and it's like maybe
0: within certain subsects of the queer community for sure yeah uh, <laughs> I, I still feel like and and this is a very grinder centric experience of mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh i still feel like masculinity is most certainly put on like some weird pedestal Uh, yeah people people like worship at the altar of masculinity and yeah uh, and i guess
1: it depends on what we're even discussing as masculinity and that's a a topic that i think i'm probably not super qualified to define (laughs) but
0: i don't know yeah i see what you're saying (laughs) what masculinity is Uh, but but yeah uh it's it's just it it can sometimes be an exhausting thing to navigate uh,
1: sure i can imagine <laughs>
0: you know, there's there's i mean for anyone uh th- just because there's there's so many forces at play and there's so many uh, i mean like you were saying it's like it's like we're just we're all marginalized groups to some extent um for the most part i mean within the queer community and yeah. uh that sucks because it's like we're always it's always an an uphill battle almost um and and you were talking about having to like almost create our own equal and opposite uh scenarios in which like now are we oppressing another group within our communities just as a response to these like it's 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 a scary game to play and i don't like playing it like (laughs) yeah
1: And and that's exactly it, right? And that's that's why you know in in more radical circles, which I would count myself among, that's why we talk about queer liberation instead of queer rights. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't want to be treated the way white cis het Christian men are treated under capitalism. I want capitalism to be abolished, and I want to like be liberated as 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 a queer and trans person. I don't want to be like, I, this is a really, really complicated topic. Um, (laughs) Like, no, 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 I I think it's really important, right? Because I I think that's what, um, that's where a lot of that idea comes from, of the idea of like, you know, even in, in the queer community, right? Like people in the queer community love playing respectability politics. Like you can't quote unquote act gay, you know what I mean? Uh, whatever the fuck that means. Um, and, and it happens in the trans community too, right? Like there are people in the trans community that don't take non-binary people seriously because they think if like, well, if, if you're a trans woman and you try hard enough to be a normal woman, then people wouldn't hate trans people. Uh, or, you know, saying like if you try hard enough to be a trans man and fit, like fit all the way in the man box, um, and of course, what they're saying is that like, if you try hard enough to appear not trans, people will accept you, uh, which one is bullshit, like this just is not a thing that happens. Um, but also like, what if that's not what you want? Like you have to you have to like, go into another closet <laughs> to be yeah. accepted. And, and that's where all of this like hierarchy stuff comes from, right? It's, it's wanting to fit ourselves into the existing system instead of realizing that like the way the system has things arranged is horseshit to begin with.
2: You also, a lot of people want to, to justify their own actions and their own decisions, it, whether that's a toxic way they're doing it or not, that, you know, mm-hmm. notwithstanding, but like, just like married people are like, Oh, you should get married or people who have kids like, Oh, I have kids. Like I want to justify my own actions. Right. Forcing that on you. Yes. And that doesn't necessarily fit you. Like that, you are you, I'm me, and fuck off. Let's all get along.
1: Well, and and that's, and that comes back to this like dominant cultural idea of that, like, we've got to figure out the one right way to do everything. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, the way that I have works for me, obviously it would work for you. And if it doesn't, then you're just not doing it right, (laughs) you know? Uh, And that's just, that's a thing that can't, like, That's just so manifestly untrue. (laughs) It's just like not fucking how the world works, and uh, and that's like that's scary to people. And I think part of the reason, and this is I don't know, this is maybe playing armchair psychology a little bit, but I think there is at least some awareness among people that all of those assumptions are built on a very faulty foundation, and that is why they feel so threatened by anything that suggests the idea that like those foundations are faulty, right? Like the idea that people can be happily polyamorous, the people that the idea that people can be happily asexual and aromantic, happily unmarried, happy ch- happily child-free, happily atheist, happily queer, like all of those things are things that are not not supposed to work according to the dominant cultural narrative that we have. And there are people who like, fully buy into those things and don't find happiness in them Uh, because surely there are a fair number of people that those ideas do work for and they genuinely do find happiness and fulfillment and like, God bless you. Um, But but that number is far smaller.
2: (laughs) It's also even smaller than they realize because they're not just like you said, they're not necessarily accessing their full range of happiness, their full range of sadness. Like there, there's something that's blocked off because they're following somebody else's path.
1: Exactly. And that's, I hear people say that kind of shit all the time. Like, like, well, I've, I've chased this thing my whole life and I've, you know, I've told that I'm supposed to be so happy when I get it, but like, here I am and I'm not happy. Um, but for some reason like that doesn't trigger any sort of like deeper analysis about yourself.
0: Like I had an ex.
2: Like
1: I had an ex who for some reason was just fucking obsessed with the idea that she'd be happy when she was able to get a coach purse. And
0: sorry, I don't mean yeah. to laugh at them, but
1: please because
0: the the concept though, it it does translate kind of directly to what we're talking about.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And like I was like, I was, you know, we were trying to have that conversation where it was like, you know, what do we, what do we want from life, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? And it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you want to check in with your partner and see if you're going the same place in life still. And, uh, and I was, I was in a little bit of flux in my life. And I was like, I mean, I can't tell you exactly where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing. But like, what I really want more than anything else is to have like really strong friendships, really strong relationships with my family. I want to be you know, I want to have enough money to eat and be stable, and I want to, you know, maybe be involved in something that helps people in some way. And, uh, you know, I don't know what any of that looks like, but that's like really what I want out of life. And she's like,
2: and well, a coach purse.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's what. And she was like, she was like, well, you know, I want a nice house, and I want a nice car, and I want a nice purse, and I just. And I, I mean, first of all, that should have been a red flag. That's like, even if all of those things will make you happy, we obviously just want very different things in life and we should probably call it a day. But it was what it was like two years after that before we called it a day. Uh, um, but like that was I watched her go on that journey so many different times when she hit all of those milestones Well, so like, you know, we got an apartment together. She wasn't happy. Uh, she got a nice car. She wasn't happy. She got the coach purse. She wasn't happy. We bought a house together. She wasn't happy, uh, and and a couple of times I would be like, you know, it, isn't this making you sort of like rethink your assumptions about what will make you happy in life? And like maybe all of those things were bullshit. And and I think a lot of that's like a sunk cost fallacy, right? Like I've spent so much of my life invested in this, and if I if I admit that it's wrong, then in some way I've wasted my life, and that's terrifying. So I would just like rather cling to the way that. Uh, you know, I'd rather like cling to the other way of of being, uh, and I mean, I get that. Like, I've been there. I think that's a thing that people tend to do. Like, I, I, there's something about, generally speaking, about the way. Uh, I don't know if the, I don't know if the human brain works that way. I would say the the human brain that grows up in our current dominant culture <laughs> often does that and thinks that way. Um, so yeah, it's just there, there's a lot of barriers to it, and I get it
2: what makes you happy right now? Not what might make you happy in the future. Right. That's how, I mean, that's how I take stock of it. Like what in my recent history has made me happy. Let me do that some more. Mm-hmm. Well, Let me well, do that on a bigger scale.
1: Well, and I think, I mean, fundamentally like, do I like myself as a person? If I don't, why, what do I need to work on sure. about that? You know, uh, and and that was a thing that I I had like a fuck you moment with my therapist. Uh, I, I just mentioned offhand. Like so
0: <laughs> sorry, I just love that phrase. I had a fuck you moment with my therapist.
1: <laughs> well, it was one it was one of those things where like my therapist told me something and I was like, fuck you, you're right. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those things. Um it, I have I have sensory problems a lot of times. Like sometimes sounds get overwhelming to me and I don't like like I don't like Crowds, like the physical presence of crowds don't bother me, but like lots and lots of people talking at once and loud voices do and like all of those kinds of things. And so I bought a really, that's to say I bought a really nice pair of noise canceling headphones uh, for like when I'm out shopping and, and I realized that I was like walking around noise canceling headphones on and I can hear basically nothing in the outside world. I'm listening to a podcast or music or something like that. Um, but I also noticed that like, I was just wearing the headphones around with noise canceling mode on, not listening to anything. And it was just it was so interesting, like being able to isolate myself from the environment like that, and just kind of like live in my head for a second. And I was explaining this to my therapist, and I was like, "Yeah, I was, I was really surprised by that. Like, I expected to need to have you know a podcast or music or something like that going on." Um, and and I said that specifically. I was like, I was like, "Yeah." And so I, you know, I just felt like I was just kind of like able to live and live in my own head and not be in the outside world while I was actually in the outside world. And that's an interesting thing. <clears throat> and my therapist was like. So that means you enjoy your own company. Like you like yourself. And I was like, fuck you. Yes. Wait a minute. When did that happen? (laughs) Um, yeah. And, and I I think that's, you know, that's a thing that that's a a thing that we're not often encouraged to do. Right. Like we're, we're always supposed to be in service to other people and give of ourselves endlessly and, uh, you know, be selfless and and that sort of thing. Uh, and and I, th- I mean, I think that's another significant barrier to people figuring out like who they are and what they like. And uh, I mean, specifically, you know, if we're talking about what keeps queer people in the closet, what keeps trans people in the closet, I think that has a lot to do with it, too. I'm not allowed to think of my own happiness. That's selfish.
0: Well, I, one thing that I appreciate about this is we've gone on quite a journey here. <laughs> Um, we've talked about all kinds of things, starting with your your personal journey and the grander societal mechanisms at play. Um, but we've kind of we've zoomed it back in, and it comes yeah. full circle. It's it's kind of nice. Like you were talking about um, how a big part of your journey is um, kind of realizing what makes you happy, prioritizing that, and basically saying you know fuck you to all of the the weird societal forces that are at play. Um, And if any of those happen to speak to you, that's fine. You can embrace that, but only if it speaks to you and only if it contributes to your happiness. Um, And I think that that's kind of the, I guess if there were a grand message or a a moral to the story, it would be that... uh, Get a good therapist. Well... (laughs) Uh, are there good free therapists uh
1: no well and that's part of the problem right because the caveat that i want to put on all of that is that like yes all of that is true but part of the problem is that there are so many structural barriers for people to even be able to do that right um because because a lot of the confirmation bias is I can't accept myself as trans because if I do, my parents will disown me. I won't have a place to live. I'll lose my job. All of those sorts of things. Right? Like a lot of it is very, very practical barriers that people come up against that make everything more complicated. Um, And so I I am someone who was lucky enough to have uh, not completely without difficulty, but like I was able to do those things a lot, a lot more easily than someone who like really lives in poverty Um, and, uh, and so I try to give, you know, a a lot of grace to folks like that, especially if, you know, structural barriers are in the way. Um, but yeah, I I think, I mean, another soapbox I'll get on is that I think society, we uh, societally, we generally accept that it's a good idea to have a primary care doctor. I also think that we should, that it it should be just as normal for everyone to have a primary care therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, of course that's, you know. Access is an issue there, but uh, there's just like so much bullshit to wade through. Like uh, I'm very proud to where I have gotten, but I would also be lying if I said it was entirely me work that has done that. Like I have a wonderful therapist who's, t- who's walked me through a ton of this in the last like two years.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, that that's a big reason why I like this show. Um, not that I recommend this for anyone as a stand in for therapy, But it's nice for me as somebody who doesn't have a therapist to be able to have these conversations and to have some sort of an outlet to discuss these things and to be a little challenged on my own um, like preconceived ideas uh, because it's sometimes that's the biggest struggle is getting out of our own funk and out of our own heads when it comes to these things like uh you were talking about that time when you were with your partner and it's like this didn't trigger any like deeper analysis it's like no because we're stuck in it and um, <laughs>
1: exactly yeah
0: moments like this like that i mean doing this show has kind of allowed me to pull myself outside of myself for a moment and get my mm-hmm. shit together so to speak
2: so we are to therapy like the daily show is to news like <laughs> you know <laughs> that's a great analogy and air your shit and yeah you know, and get it out there but see a professional <laughs> <laughs>
1: right yeah don't take mental health advice from a podcast yeah don't,
2: uh,
0: don't do that. Uh, if anyone if anyone would like to help contribute to my ability to afford a therapist um and if you found any enjoyment out of this show uh, please feel free to visit www.mtfproductions.com donate any contribution helps all of us involved um, we are working on building a studio, uh, so we'll have, hopefully, uh, an increase in, in audio-visual quality um, with that, and then the donations are also going to go towards improved. <laughs> Can I tell that.
1: you a really That's funny here. story about your website address?
0: Uh-oh. Do oh, is know? it? Because uh, male to female? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, I, when
1: I saw the website and like didn't know anything about you or who you were, I was like, oh, was Chris doing a podcast with a trans woman? <laughs> so
0: actually so the idea of more than friends uh it came to fruition like as a name because i i love the idea of double entendres i love playing with people's expectations and all of that and when more than friends started i was with a friend a, a, a male friend and people would always assume that we were gay together but we weren't um but then we would do very gay things like we would sleep in the same sleeping bag and, like, we would tell each other that we loved each other, you know, quote-unquote gay things. Um, but right, right,
1: yeah. Again, because you, you, can't have a, you can't have a wholesome, loving, and intimate friendship between two guys. It's just all the, yeah. automatically, they're banging.
0: But, like, our original logo was literally a heart with our faces. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> just, like, we were totally playing into all of that. And then somebody was like, oh, MTF. Doesn't that mean male to, ch- or, uh, yeah, male to female? Uh, and I was like, it could. Well, no, sure. I mean, why not? <laughs> oh, they're right. Right. yeah. They're asking where the
1: dog is. I yeah. think I think my wife ordered food, and the dog the, the food is here. So the dog is having feelings. Someone in the chat I can see is asking to see the dog. So I will yeah, yeah. one one moment. Wedge, come
2: here. Buddy. Wedge, come
1: here. Wedge. Oh. I think your mama ordered food, and you just need to calm yourself. Oh. This is Wedge. Hello,
0: Wedge. <laughs> Hello, Wedge.
1: <laughs> he is he is having big feelings at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
2: so your mama mama order, food, buddy. you had uh, talked about the the moral of today's episode. Uh, what, what's your takeaway? What's your moral of today?
0: Who are you asking? Steven. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought I already said. Um, so I, I feel like the moral of the story is to uh, to take a moment to reflect on what actually is making us happy. And uh, try to understand the, I guess, the the processes and the, the ideas that can influence that. And um, I guess do our best to work within that to be happy. Basically, just figure out what makes you happy and do it. Fuck everyone else. Um, <laughs> and I, I think
1: the caveat to that the thing that really, really, I feel like sort of like got me over the edge with that idea, um, because I feel like most people will say they are doing that, whether or not they actually are.
2: Mm.
1: And the so the the piece that I add on to that is that if you ask yourself that question and the answer comes back as whatever the status quo is, you automatically have to question that harder.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you really do come down there, it's fine. But just, like, always be suspicious of the status quo feeling like the right thing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. When you come to a conclusion, go deeper. Yep. And then Who do you when come? you come, go <laughs> deeper. <laughs> and, <laughs> that too. <laughs> and then when you can't go any further, keep going. <laughs> oh, that sounds, that sounds painful. That's <laughs> my big this is, is why I, I don't go. like penetrative kind of of sex. It's...
1: That's fair, honestly. <laughs> it's I, I the bobs.
0: I don't want a shish the <laughs> Just take the stick off. Just eat the meat. You don't need the fucking stick.
1: That's what I did. I took the stick off. It's it worked out so well for me. There you go. I turned it inside out, actually.
2: Bobless. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my big takeaway is that on dating profiles, there's lots of dicks. There's lots of vaginas. There's even lots of cleavage. Lots of boobs. Big. Fan. I want to see the butthole. I want to see the the, the the somebody's asshole. On all right, program, I guess I'll just uh, yeah. fucking <laughs> okay. And help help me
1: understand help me understand how you got there because in this conversation.
2: earlier <laughs> Stephen was talking about how grinder you know is a lot is a lot of dick. Immediately, yeah, yeah. it's all dick centric and dick related. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, you know, on uh, out there in the internet, I've seen you know like the 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 cleavage shot and the the you know some of that, and there's even some right on the the badge. Yeah, yeah. No one is, is butthole focused.
0: So, okay. uh, I, there, there are a lot of buttholes on Grinder as well. And yeah. I've been asked, I've been asked for a lot of butthole pictures. And, uh, first and foremost, I want it to be known that taking a picture of your ass is almost always an awful experience. At least for me, uh, I yeah. can't tell you how many times I pulled muscles I didn't know that I had because I'm trying to get some weird-ass angle so that I can show my butthole but, like, not have everything look weird. Like, because, yeah. like, there's nothing arousing about taking pictures of my own ass for me. So, like, yeah, I have, like, weird flaccid dick, like, flopping over, blocking the hole. I have to, like, hold it up and then, like, balls just, like, ooze down and it's, it's a mess. It's a whole. Yeah, I've
1: never, I've never tried to do that, but I'm just like, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about the logistics in my head, and yeah, no, you've
0: got to have a friend,
2: you've got to have an accountability buddy. So like phone half the buddy. time,
0: half the time, I prop the phone up, I put the little timer, mm-hmm. and then three seconds is not enough for me. I got to do the ten seconds, mm-hmm. which is awful because usually around like five or six seconds is what I need, and then I have to like hold a pose, You're just holding it there. Yeah. And And that's that's where I pull the muscle. You just like,
2: tape your mark down. Like, (laughs) like, I'm going to keep my feet here and spread
0: exactly to this angle. And it's going to stay centered. It's awful. And then, like, half the time, like, maybe the ass looks fine. Whatever. Uh, Maybe the ass looks fine. But then in the background, you just see my head. And then, like, I'm struggling. And it looks like I'm drowning. Because, like, my head, my face is red because I'm, like, holding this pose. It's awful. I hate it. I absolutely hate it.
1: And so I will come back to to Chris's suggestion in that find a friend, do a shoot where you have like different angles and different outfits and get like, get a good solid, like 50 butt pics. Oh, so you only wow. have to do it once. And anytime. Like, yeah. And you're just, uh, I don't know. Maybe you're wearing a shirt. I
0: wanna maybe put you have pants that are pulled. Down.
1: Okay. Maybe you're wearing a shirt and you can see it in the picture or maybe you're wearing pants, but they're pulled down. Nope. I, Okay, what I'm saying is do things, do the thing, do things that make it look like you know, like a YouTube video. Like people will shoot like six or seven videos in the same day, but they'll wear different outfits to make it look like it's a different time. Yeah. Whatever you need to do to make a butthole shoot look like it's happened across several different
2: days. (laughs) Tell you what Uh, I'm doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna source a bunch of small hats, like. And a construction <laughs> worker hat. And I'm going to place it just above my asshole.
1: You're making promises right now. I just need I you am. to know.
2: I am. I So, P with B crowd, P with beers, I need you <laughs> to make me small hats. Ass hats. And I admit to you that I will take photos of my own asshole <laughs> wearing your hat. It's my <laughs> commitment to you. Do people get their hats back if they want them? <laughs> I was, yeah,
1: I was gonna say. I, I think, I think, we'll want, they want their hats. See, we have a photographer. That I can't click on the the stream to bring comments up, but uh, oh, man, what? man, Maxra, the golden hour is key. It yeah,
2: is, it really is hundred percent.
1: Um, 100%. and maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah, the golden hour is key. Yeah. Um but and so yeah, yeah, clothes. lighting and locations. So so maybe maybe you just do different locations, right? Just like some in the bedroom, some in the living room. You know, you can't do outfits. I mean tiny hats are great as well. <laughs>
0: Tiny hands um, all
1: the way. I'm just saying, like, Stephen doesn't seem super enthused about the hats idea. So <laughs> I'm just saying like I'm, I'm enthused about the hats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. You
0: want, you want the hats. I, I think the hats are like front You just need to get a
1: set of, of of 20 pictures where it was obvious not all 20 were taken like in the same shoot. <laughs> so you've got like a bank when people ask for them. You don't have to do the weird thing and pull your muscles and shit.
0: I just I just don't like taking pictures of my it, the problem is whether the focus is the, the penis or the butthole. It's always penetrative sex. It's always what's going to go inside of me or what am I going to go inside of? And it's like, can we just not? And that that's just my experience. Okay. So let but, me ask you this. I'm uh, going to turn
1: this around on you and interview you for a second if that's cool. Okay. Can I do that? Oh, hold on,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: Okay. Hold on.
0: Are we Are we going to transition into another episode? Are you ready to, to go again?
1: Can, I mean, I'm cool with no that. I've got you? some time.
0: All right. Okay, let's do that, because it sounds like this is going to be a a big old thing. Um, So So now we have to
2: change shirts and change butthole hats.
0: Yeah, we need to change butthole hats. Um, Uh, Everyone who's in the chat tuning in live, uh, just stay put. Uh, We'll be right back after the- the, Put on a different butthole hat. Put on a different butthole hat. Uh, We do expect pictures. Um, Real fast, I wanted to thank uh, everyone for tuning in. This is our first time going live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch simultaneously so so far it hasn't been a disaster so that's good um so thank you to some of our new viewers uh like Doreen (laughs) Betsy Patty um thank you so much and then of course thank you again to our returning uh, viewers and listeners Imagine McNamee, Manaxra. um thank you love you all uh but anyways stay put we'll be right back thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast with benefits if you enjoyed this show Please rate, follow, and or subscribe to the Podcast With Benefits wherever podcasts are distributed. Please reach
2: out to us by writing an email to be more than at gmail.com, commenting on mtfproductions.com, or finding us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash be One day we hope to do this for a living.
0: To help make that dream come true. Please donate what you can to our show at mtfproductions.com. Your donations help us purchase better equipment, fund more merchandise, and hold events. Please share this show with a friend that you love. Thank you.